0: Yeah, hang on. I'm doing some analysis over here. Oh, is that what I hear? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. I'm doing some calculations.
1: What? Got it. What what, what, are you, what are you adding up, bro? Um, how much money I need to raise? Oh, man. Is that why I heard so much tapping? Yeah, this hold on. Huge...
0: I'm crunching all my forecasts. I'm doing some analysis here.
1: It, amazing timing. Really? Amazing timing because we're going to talk about business analysis today. Business analysis today. And uh, we brought in a subject matter expert uh, that Ooh. knows a lot of stuff and knows a lot about business analysts. Does that need, like a normal plan? Thanks. Stop with the sound Android. effects. I'm going to tie <sighs> your hands to your seat. <laughs> so with us today, we have Andrew Hsu, who's the managing partner. Partner, I'm going to learn how to talk before the end of this episode. Let me try this again. We have Andrew Hsu, the managing partner of Spotlight Analyst Relations. Hello, Andrew. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Good. Um, hopefully Matt got all this stuff added up there. (laughs) Um, Being here in the studio, I think that um, if you share the same opinion that I have, his numbers might be off a little. Um, Aren't they always? Well, it depends on what we're doing here. But, you know, this is an interesting topic. Um, (laughs) Riveting to some and a mystery to others, but, you know, business analysis and, and for those of you listening, Andrew asked like four times before we started, what do you want to call business analysis? But Because you have some pretty specific opinions on it, but it's pretty wide. I mean, you, there's a lot of ways to analyze your business, whether it be its performance, its value, its profitability, its future or whatever. So what do you consider business analysis to be?
2: Oh, my God. Uh Yeah. So if I take a look through our lens, right? Spotlight, we're in the analyst relations business and a little bit of background. I'm sorry for being a little pedantic here, but um, in our world, that means Forrester and Gartner. How do we help our clients tell their story to that really skeptical and expert
1: um, audience? Well, let's, let's, and let's, because I like, we always like to define things along the way. So Forrester and Gartner, are Uh,
2: they are industry research firms firms that hire specific experts who have a responsibility for covering a specific area of software or services right who does what who provides a solution what companies should fortune 500 companies go buy software and solutions for when they're trying to solve big problems
1: you Matt, don't you use one of these or both
2: at stackify uh,
0: we have um, a relationship with Gartner I wouldn't necessarily say we get a whole lot out of it, but that's, that's part of what we should talk about.
1: And that's, that's so your business, which is, if you guys want to, if you're in front of your computer, go to spotlightar.com. Um, so what you guys do is try to help guys like Matt get that message. What do you guys do, Andrew? You better tell us, you're <laughs> probably better at it than I am. Oh my goodness. We are such a
2: niche. Uh, it's not surprising that it's confusing. So technology companies hire us for, um, two parts of the relationship. The first one is um, as Matt was talking about, how do I learn from this audience? Can they tell me something interesting about the market, how I should message to that market? What should I consider in my roadmap and where my opportunity is next? So that's the
1: learn side of things. He he just rattled that off as if like, that's no big deal. Those are all, those are all like important things and very difficult to define. Right.
2: Exactly. And, and admittedly, um, the analysts have different degrees of expertise based on, uh, the area that they cover, right? Not surprised. You mean, you have people who are really amazing and then people who are just okay. And then on the other side of the value equation, it is um, technology companies want to get famous. I'm sure some of you have seen the waves and magic quadrants that are out there. We help our clients get into those pieces of research and get ranked, hopefully at the top.
1: Interesting. Do you want to be famous, Matt?
2: I would love to be in the magic quadrant, but the problem
0: is you have to be a big company. What is the magic quadrant? Is that like the Gartner Gartner magic quadrant? I see. Stackify, so that's de- like Stackify is not thing. big enough to even qualify for
1: that. Okay. One. So right. the magic quadrant, let's talk about that mainly so I know what it is. Um, the magic quadrant is uh, Gartner's analysis of all
2: the vendors in any particular market. Okay. How do they uh, stack up against each other? Uh, who is a leader and who is a laggard? And um, unfortunately, Matt is also correct there. There is a tendency to evaluate the biggest players in any market so there's a cutoff for revenue for qualification
1: but your company can help another company figure out what they need to do to enter this zone
2: absolutely how can we position ourselves how do we talk about ourselves how do we win this competition if you will
1: and that's important because when you're in this quote magic quadrant you become does that mean like i mean you're like kind of pre-recommended or
0: Uh, i mean I mean, it's more of an advantage to marketing anything, right? And go back to my clients and say, look, I'm in the magic quadrant. Buy my software. Somebody else said I'm cool.
2: <laughs> That's right. That's so, really on, what you Hang
1: did. on. I'm going to do some analysis real quick. Gartner okay. said we are cool. Hang on. And hang we on. are the leader. Hang on. Startup Hustle is the entire magic quadrant. Yeah. For startup won. podcasts. Yes. It's like, wow. Now, I didn't have to hire your business to do that because it was a very obvious answer. But, all right. So, you know, what? All the stuff you talk about is obviously pretty important. And when you talk about analysis or analyst, I mean, on some levels, some of these things are like just equations that you run. And then some of them become opinions, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that at that point, they become quite variable. Right. So is that something like, so you guys are analyst relations and stuff like that. I mean, where, where does, the, where does, where is it important for me as a startup founder to really be paying attention when it comes to the advice that I'm getting or the, the analysis that mm-hmm. is being thrown at me? I mean, cause you can, it can be pretty variable. Absolutely. Um, like all things, right? The source. I mean,
2: all of us become experts um, in reading the different sources of expertise, right? We know how to read a consumer reports. We know how to look at a Yelp. Um, same thing with the gardeners of the world. Um, as advice takers, we're looking at a piece of research authored by somebody who's supposed to be paying attention. Now, they're not omniscient, right? So when you look at this, look at the analysts and the analysis that they provide we get a sense for what are the things that they can see and what are the things that they were told. But you'll have to presume that some marketing speak in there, right? So these analysts are being sold by the different vendors that are out there. So um, I think it's important for us as startups to, if we're going to look at that information and we're going to start getting a sense for the market and who our competitors are and who are the people leading that industry, we have to exercise a degree of caution and judgment.
1: Can 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 we use Stackify as an example along the way? Let me get a different example here. Okay,
2: sure. I was... about
0: along as we've been talking so i think a good example of this would be something like electric cars so you have somebody like ford or volkswagen all these people they're like oh should we sell electric cars should we not sell electric cars what's the demand they do their own research but they have their own opinion somebody like ford's probably like nobody's gonna buy an electric truck it's never gonna happen and their management team is like a bunch of old grumpy dudes who forever are going to drive up 150s, right? But then they re- they continually talk to hey, Gartner. I, I drive and enough 150. You're an old grumpy dude. The okay. uh, They continue to talk to somebody like Gartner and Forrester who's like, no, 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 we're doing all the industry research. We're talking to thousands of people every day. We have a different opinion. Here's the numbers. Here's the forecast. Here's where the market's going. You're a bunch of grumpy old dudes. You need to make electric trucks. Right. And because so many businesses have their own echo chamber, like somebody like Ford is in their own echo chamber and they keep sitting on the sideline. They So when you
1: say echo chamber, you're talking about the internal people. Yeah, their own.
0: And they're like, we're not even going to make sedans anymore, which they don't. Ford does not make sedans anymore. They only make big trucks and Ford Mustangs. And then you have somebody like Tesla, who is killing everybody, kicking their ass, right? So the the job of the analyst is to help look at Tesla, look at Ford, look at Volkswagen, look at the consumer research, talk to consumers, talk to everybody, and figure out where is the market really going, right? Out and and Ford will pay them for that be, to get Ford outside of their own echo chamber. Okay, they right. became they become the third party person in this example who doesn't have a horse in the race. They don't. It doesn't benefit Gartner if people buy electric
1: cars. So they're, or not. they're it's literally their job saying, to hey, we're we're going to be unbiased. Where is as the market unbiased going as possible? Like we we are data people. We're here to try to tell you what your opportunity is, what you buy, might be missing, or what you might not even see." Is so that, from a a,
0: a Stackify example, we might talk to them if we're trying to figure out, okay, Gartner, you have good relationships with the Fortune 500. You tell us, are people moving to the cloud? Or are they moving to serverless technologies? Or are they moving to containers? And then how does that information, you know, help stackify it in our decision making to build product?
1: So you previously mentioned that you weren't in the magic quadrant. No, because we're not big Okay. Up. And then we can but I want to use this as an example because your cause spotlight AR could or would help them do what they need to do to enter the zone is this correct that is correct so how does that occur like so, i mean and do you mind can we use this as well, an example is this so fair part of the
0: part of the dynamic is who reads the research right so okay let's say StackFi is in the magic quadrant if none of our customers would ever even look at Gartner or forrester research we don't give a fuck, right that's the bottom line is yep. this true yep don't yep. care the only reason and that is true our average customer is somebody who pays like our $200 a month for sure. our software. The last thing they do is read white papers
1: or Gartner research. But if you, so, but all right, so now but if, if, our customer if was you decide you want to enter into a different, a different yeah. level and you, so that's a, and Andrew, that's what your company will help people do is say, and we you might be able to grab this amount of market space, but you'll need to do X, Y, and Z in order to get there.
0: Right. Well, and we have this too. Like every once in a while, we'll talk to a big client and they'll be like, oh, we went into Gartner and we searched for Stackify and you don't exist. Who are you? Okay. And then that, that makes us less reputable because there's no data about us.
1: Understood. Yeah,
2: yeah that, that concept of um, the analysts as a proxy to an audience is 100% right, right? So um, the people who read the foresters and Gartners are typically the Fortune 500. You've got the CMOs, COOs, CTOs, CIOs, um, heavy executive decision makers looking to validate a vendor, try to ensure that they're understanding the totality of a problem, and trying to think about how do I make a great decision here, right? So you're right. If they are not the people that you're selling to, it's not as valid, but it's an incredible third-party validation that says I matter, that I have something that's quote-unquote industrial strength, and that's been validated by an expert. So um, for that audience that references this material, they're hugely influential.
1: So this part, this part of planning and growing your business is important too, because I can imagine that in many cases, what you're doing and what some of this analysis does too is try to help you not go down roads that are treacherous, not not entering territory where you do not belong. Right. Is right. that so? Is that I mean, is that a, sometimes it's just about as much about saving money from not doing something dumb?
2: Absolutely. So, um, if you think about who their what the responsibility is. Firms hire these research companies to help them stay out of trouble, do the right things, and pick vendors, right? Okay. So um, their job is to talk to the Fortune 500, the Fords, the Audis, the GMs of the world, figure out what everybody's doing. Start hustle. Yep. (laughs) And then to also talk to the different um, vendors that want to sell into and provide solutions to those companies. So they're almost... Like, this, Stackify solves this problem, and they don't solve this other problem. Use Stackify here, don't use Stackify there. So that's sort of the core of the kind of recommendations that they do make, in addition to what Matt was talking about, which is the sizing of a market and the trends within a market.
0: Yeah, it's like I could be Garmin or Cerner or whatever, and I, I asked the analysts, like, uh, we're looking for a product to do CRM. What kind of CRM system is a good fit for us based on our requirements? What we're going to use it for. Now,
1: now, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about selling stuff or or whatever. I'm also thinking like, okay, there's probably like a ton of opportunity that we're missing. Like where are we just clearly stepping over dollars to pick up dimes or something like that? Right. So
0: another good example would be full scale. Right. So we never we, heard of them. We do software development um, for other companies. Right. We help them build software development teams. Talks to me like Gartner. What are the trends of that? Is there more companies leveraging it, not leveraging it? The shortage of developers. How is that impacting people? All those sort of trends the analysts uh, would supposedly know and provide feedback
1: on. Okay, they're supposed to be the experts, right? So, Andrew, what? And you know, I know we can't get into specifics, but with who? But like, what are some of the and what are some of the industries or like genres? that you guys really specialize in? Like who, you know, what kind of industry is like, man, we got to get these guys.
2: Right, right. So, um, so think um, enterprise, think um, systems of record, systems of engagement. So we have clients that are in the world of web content management, e-commerce, digital analytics, digital advertising, um, data and ana- data and analysis. Uh, we have folks that are in security. We have folks that are in, Uh, DevOps right so all the kinds of technologies that the fortune 500 would buy in order to solve their problems and then we're also um, have a ton of clients in the uh, services space so think large advertising agencies and consulting firms that either implement the software make sense of it or um, honestly operate it on an ongoing basis so um, it's all fortune 500 purchasing and it's all software and services to that to that marketplace those are our customers okay
0: what? How much revenue a year do you think a company needs to do typically before they get some advantage from analyst relationships?
2: No, that's a that's a great question. We have many of our clients that are so on the larger side. We have the uh, the industry powerhouses, right? You think VMware, GE Digital, right? Some of the BMC, Microfocus, HPs of the world, right? So that's the hardcore large side of things. But a huge part of our portfolio are startups in that B round, C round, D round space, right? So think 10 million in revenue, maybe even five with a lot of momentum. Uh, Think companies that are huge, they're solving the problem in a unique way, they're getting funding and interest from the investor community, and they're gaining momentum in the marketplace. So it's either velocity when you're small. Or it's uh, maintaining differentiation and market leadership if you're big. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense for Sackfire. Like we're just kind of too small for this at this point. Right. Right. Um, but not not forever. Right. I mean, yeah. companies like uh, like yours are um, exactly the kind of company that are trying to solve things in a different way. They're going to provide a solution that's going to be the next thing that catches fire.
0: Well, and we're going mm-hmm. slowly going up market. We're starting to sell more enterprise accounts, mm-hmm. and so. Next thing you know, those enterprise accounts go into Gartner and we don't exist and that causes us problems. I mean, we get into all of that.
1: That's right. When you arrive in the magic quadrant, will you send me an invite? Because I just like what I'm picturing is like a digital land of like bees and honey and flowers. Mm. Is that what it's like?
0: No, this part of the table over here is the magic studio is the magic quadrant yeah right here Uh,
1: you know and i want to thank you matt for clearly pointing that out on our audio program yeah as you (laughs) as you as you carved out the area of the uh it's right here there you go yeah right here for those of you that want to give feedback on matt's newfound ability to be a foley or sound effects artist over these last several episodes (laughs) uh, you can find him at matt at Matt WhatsApp on Instagram, right? Yeah. yeah, Give him your feedback directly on that. It's quality. It's yeah. Good. Um. Okay. So, wanted to shift focuses here a little bit because you know we like to talk about being entrepreneurs as well. Um. So your business is clearly super niche. It right? is, and that can be a, a huge advantage, and it can be a nightmare. What were some, what are, what are some of the things? Cause all right. uh, And before you answer, so I've been down to your office. You guys have an amazing workplace. Thank you. Uh, it's down downtown, um, Kansas city. Um, it looks like you've renovated an older building, but it's cutting edge. It's sharp. It looks like a cool place to work. Um, and I wasn't expecting like 40 people. And and by the way, and we never do this, Breelan, who just walked in to take pictures, were you expecting 40 people when we oh, went to visit? We close to that. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Breelan, our show producer is in the room, but we were both really impressed with what you have going on down there. So um, it takes some time to arrive at that and deal with that. I mean, what were some of the challenges and hurdles and headaches and things that you were like, oh, wow, I never thought about that?
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't even know how to answer that. That is a long, winding um, list of sleepless nights and uh, things that keep you up. But um, no, it's, it, it, your, your your first question is um, your niche, what advantages and what challenges, right? And I think that that's an interesting um, place for us to start. Like all, like many, not all, like many entrepreneurs. We honestly stumbled into this analyst relations things. We saw that, um, at our previous company, we had a hard time really making an impact with these analysts. And, we and, didn- and when
1: you say we, you're, you're referring to Rick, I who's am. Your, your business partner and someone we met, Rick's a cool guy, great guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My partner in yeah. crime. Yeah. Okay. And he owns half my shit.
2: Yeah, um, ah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds a lot. That's how I describe you. Yeah. Not, yeah, Except you're not in the magic part of the quadrant. <sighs> oh my God, exclusionary. Yeah. You're going to take this? <laughs> Dude,
1: you just learned to like, just, you yeah. uh, know. I don't it. even want to be in the magic quadrant anymore. <laughs>
2: you're I not don't. worthy.
1: I don't want to be on it. Yeah. I mean, it's If you're there, then I'm. it's questionable. Yeah, it's a circle of trust. No, oh, no, that's a different thing. That's a completely different <laughs> thing. I want to be in it. Yeah.
2: Got it. Um, But yeah, I think we uh, we stumbled into the opportunity. And then from there, it was, hey, I think that this marketplace is first and foremost niche. There aren't great vendors in this space. People aren't really solving this problem efficiently. There's a market inefficiency, right? Um, We can bring some of our consulting background and our methodological way of thinking about things and process orientation. And how can we take the things we learned in our previous life and apply it to a niche industry that maybe is missing a world-class vendor, and then try to develop something in that space. And that's pretty much how we came to it. So the advantage is that we got to uh, bring an expertise and maybe inject a new bit of life into a niche industry. The disadvantage is that there aren't that many people who do it, right? You can't go out there and say, I'm going to hire a bunch of people who do endless relations right, right. in the Kansas City space and get all the um, the appropriate talent, and you have to go about it in a different
1: way. you. But you're dealing with companies that are not just here in our hometown, am I correct? Right, right. So they're all over. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which presents a different challenge on some days. Yeah, the majority
2: of our clients are, not surprisingly, you're thinking Boston, Cambridge, you're thinking New York, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Austin, Chicago.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Are, they, cool. are those people in the Magic Quadrant? Some of them are. The yeah, I bet. Are? Mm-hmm. Is Denver located <laughs> directly on top of it? Oh, I don't know. Because I was in Denver not too long ago and some things happened and I felt like I was in a Magic Quadrant. Yeah, but that's was, a different thing. It was? Yeah. That was not business analysis? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm confused. I, I think I know what we're talking about here. Um, all right. and All right, so... For those that are listening, you know, not every obviously not everyone that's listening has got a $20 million revenue company at this point. Um, hang on, I've got to penalize Watson. <laughs> if he yawns during the podcast, it's a charitable donation. Oh, we're rich, dude. We don't, we, <laughs> we owe We owe, dude. This is great. All that, actually, that, all that uh, adding that you were doing at the beginning of the show. Wow. Yeah, it's your charitable donation, bro. Shit. I know. Why are there so many commas on it? Yeah. Um, all right. So not everyone has a $20 million revenue company. We all want to be there. Um, what are some What are some analytics and some things that, you know, businesses at all stages really need to be paying attention to in order to, you know, like not have to undo a ball of rubber bands later or, you know, maybe figure out where you're messing up and you're about to implode. Yeah. Um, if we... If we borrow a little bit from
2: like what the analysts are looking at. So theoretically, they're in the business of helping us be more successful, right? That's their job. So um, us as vendors, when I say us, I mean software, enterprise software companies uh, and services firms. How do they become successful? Um, And what they're constantly looking at is, is the business uh, first and foremost delivering something incredibly valuable in the marketplace, right? Does it solve something that needs and warrants investment? Is that problem growing? Is that something that needs to be paid attention to? Um, What is the partner ecosystem? Are you doing it alone? Who are the other people making money in the space? So there's some checklist items that us, even as smaller companies that are not $20 million, can look at and say, am I laying the right groundwork for my opportunity? Am I thinking about that right? Can I articulate that clearly and efficiently? Um, Can I articulate the marketplace and the size of the opportunity and the uniqueness of the problem? How fast is it growing? Can I talk about the other people who are making money in the space to say that it's not, I'm not a proof point of one, right? We are together. There are many people in this industry that are going to be successful. And can I talk about my business in more of an ecosystem rather than individual, right? It's not just us. We're reaching out to create partners, um, implementation teams, the marketplace. Well, How are we connected to everybody else uh, in a way that's meaningful that um, that the market has to pay attention to? So I think some of those are interesting ways to think beyond just our, like, is my accounting system working and what do I do about Johnny and his weird emails that are going out to my clients? Do you hear um, about Johnny? Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's actually out there listening. That's our creative director. We were talking about you, man. Well, Matt, what do you, will you weigh in on that? Cause like, I mean, some of these things are pretty basic as well. Like, I mean, some of the, you know, we've talked about this before is, um, and I, I made this mistake with when I started gigabook and you're like, wow, anybody could use this. It's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, do you agree? It's definitely a problem that startups
0: have, but also even bigger businesses to place a bet of like, I'm going to go build this thing and somebody's going to buy it. Kind of like the example of Ford with building electric cars, right? Like that's why all the car manufacturers sat on the sidelines forever because they're like, nobody wants to buy these things. And then Tesla managed to come along and say, screw it. We're going to do it. And they forged new territory, right? And now everybody else is trying to play catch up. I mean, as as, as a lot of companies... Uh, it's hard sometimes to know where to place those bets and know if you're going to win or lose.
1: I think an analyst can help. I think too many uh, uh, entrepreneurs grossly underestimate how much competition there really is for what they do. I think it's easy to be like, yeah, oh, you know, and you ha- you get hear people say, "There's right. nobody else that does this." I'm like, "Are you <laughs> sure? Like, are you positive?" Because there's a couple things that occur there. First off, if there is no, if you are truly first, you might want to look around because there might not be a big demand for it. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's like an uh, an analysis thing when you think about starting a business. You need to, you know, how big is that that market, right? And, and, but, but at the same time, you don't want to pick a niche. You want to create a
0: niche, yeah, right? So it, that's the double edged sword. Is like you want to go create a space that you can be a leader and really grow and be differentiated. And if there's somebody already doing it, then you don't necessarily want to be there. So it's a double edged sword.
1: It, that's something that um Matt talked about in the interview I did with in the million dollar bedroom is that you know you say like hey, yeah. you're looking around and you know you're you drive through your fancy neighborhood and there's this big house here and a big house there, a big house there like but what do these people do? And if you really get into it like a lot of times it is something weird, it's niche. It's mm-hmm. that there's there's riches in the niches. Um, one of our um uh, Startup hustle alumnists, uh, Lyra Holt, the founder of Carstar, is a big advocate. He he talks about, hey, you know, don't be afraid to be cowardly. Mm-hmm. And the first time he said that, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? It doesn't make any sense. And then he got into it, and you know, like, don't take on the giants. Like, people come up and they're like, hey, I've got, I I've got, take a look at my business plan. I've got an idea that's going to bring Amazon down. I don't even want to hear about it. You have no shot. <laughs> you have no chance. Yeah. Like, I mean, do you do you get? Have you had people? Give you those pitches, Matt? And they're like, Peep, uh, I had somebody today send me a message. EBay.
0: Yeah, somebody sent me a message today, and I'm like, eh, I
1: don't know how you're going to do this. Good luck. Yeah, and it's like, but that that cowardly approach is okay. It's like going and doing something, and, and you know, as a – how do you feel about that? As someone that operates and owns and has founded a, a quote, super niche, you literally define this as super niche on your own <laughs> notes. So, I did. Um, so I think that
2: you're, you're right. Like, how do I create a niche versus how do I um, sort of find an opportunity to go into it? Um, you know, I, I think that we have so many of our clients that are, and, and honestly, my friends who are sort of um, entrepreneurs as well. Um, sometimes we think differentiation is the only way to go there's also like being remarkably valuable, right? So doing something remarkably valuable into a market that has demand of which you can capture a fair share of it. It's a lot of those big houses are full of people who have created something valuable, but not necessarily differentiated differentiated is wonderful. And I think it's important for us all to find that. Is it the way that you do your work? Is the people that you sell to is how you talk about it. Um, of course there's huge value. If you can find something differentiated and really knock it out of the park. Um, we are a niche industry, so they aren't giants, right? We have managed to avoid that, but we still have to create um, – we have an opportunity to dominate our niche. We have an opportunity to create the services, the software platforms, um, the training, the certifications. We can own our niche. But if I were in a bigger um, industry, I have a feeling that I would go for something valuable. I'd find a way to differentiate, a way to talk about it or a different to market I could sell into. But um, I would not hold that as the only qualification for what to go after.
1: If you talk to Matt about your history with Vent Solutions, you you hit on that same thing because your history with that company straddled what we call the housing bubble or the economic crisis, oh, yeah. and and prior to that, you you I've heard you talk a lot about like, hey, so the car dealers, so Vent Solutions offered some unique, uh, you know, solutions for selling cars, but when things were good, people didn't really. They they were just throwing money at all different kinds of stuff, but yeah. when that occurred, that actually worked in your to your advantage because you did have that sticky value.
0: We had something really valuable at a lower cost that had a high ROI for the customer. And so before then, if they were spending fifty thousand dollars a month on advertising in the newspaper, they didn't really care because they were making a million dollars a month in profit or whatever. Where now all of a sudden they're losing money or making next mm-hmm. to no money, and all of a sudden we provided a better mousetrap at a lower cost and. Sometimes you're in the right place at the right time.
1: I think if you can, uh, if you can help people sell more stuff, if you can help them save money, avoid a headache, do anything that, you know, I don't know, man. It's I I think don't undervalue what other people will think about anything that brings someone peace of mind, yep. you know? And just like, even like, that was the re- like, when I started gigabook, I was like, God, I just no longer want to have these conversations. What time are you available? What time are you available? Yeah. About, here's when I'm available. Pick a time. Like, that's how you booked to come in on the podcast. I did. And it was easy. It was easy, right? Seamless. You know what else is easy? Playing Mixtape the Game. Yes. Have you played Mixtape before? No. You're about to. Uh-uh. It's pretty. So, anyway, mixtape thegame.com digital version coming soon. And that is true. Going to play it later today. Okay. So, I'm going to read a scenario. We're going to name a song that comes to mind and then we will vote. You cannot vote for yourself. Okay. So there will be a winner. It's probably going to be me. If you had an amazing voice, what song would you have sung to your spouse at your wedding? Oh my God. <laughs> you know what I want to say, but I'm not. <laughs> Cause I'll get in trouble. I'm not going to use the hack. Okay. Mm. So what song would you have sung to your spouse at your wedding? And I'm gonna go with that theme, that Whitney Houston song that from The Bodyguard. If you, you ever know that you're my hero.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, well, I was gonna go with Whitney Houston of "I Will Always Love You." Wow,
1: Oh yeah. dude. Uh oh, because
0: you said you gotta have a good voice.
1: I didn't say you have to have a good voice. Oh, oh, you did. Yeah. yeah. If you had an amazing voice, yeah, well, yeah Whitney so, Houston, yeah, I will always I love you. That. Can you sing a little bit of it? Because I don't know if everyone knows it. No why <laughs> no it goes i will always
2: love you yeah that's that's the, the whole hook. song that's it just hook. goes yeah
1: i would always love you and then yeah, it's i over. will always love you yeah. i'm trying to buy anderson
2: time <laughs> oh my god i love it i love the delay tactic i appreciate
1: it <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to help you out it, and i'm away. also i'm also like mildly <laughs> campaigning for your vote <laughs> it was what no, sorry Wait, no i got, got that got a little bit of the, the smooth jams of watson i'll take it Um, The smooth jams of Watson. Low jams. Thank you for tuning in.
2: I think I'd have to go with, um, oh, was it Harry Met Sally? It had to be you? Don't know it. What was, it was that um, Harry Connick Jr. who my wife would leave me for in a heartbeat. Yeah, mine probably would do
1: that too. Or Michael Bublé. Mine would, yeah. Are they, that's the same guy, right? Harry Connick Jr. and Michael Bublé. No. They're not. (laughs) We went and saw Michael Bublé. I've never had more women or wives People reach out, they're like, my wife wants to see Michael Bublé. Do you have any sweet tickets? Do you know <laughs> the name of the song? It's just a Harry Connick. Do you, are, you, are, you, are you just going with the entire Harry Connick Jr. Lottery? Harry
2: Connick Jr., it had to be you. I think it's a, that's the name of the song. <laughs> I, don't, I don't
1: recognize it. God, I hate doing this, but I'm voting for Watson. Oh. Mm. Who are you voting for? Oh, I think it's you, Watson.
0: I won. <laughs> <laughs> Woo!
1: God. I mean, so, all right. I don't even have to vote. Well, I know you don't, and so here's the thing. Um, there's something that I've learned during this episode that clearly, that being in the magic quadrant, yeah, is valuable. Yes, that's a good reason to go to Spotlight spotlightar.com have and kind of check out what they do. Um, God, I hate voting for you. Yeah, thank you. Do you want a prize? No, you don't. You're no. gonna go. Do you want to? Do you want to? All right, we'll just you know. You know what? You're gonna donate to charity.
0: I need more green M&Ms.
1: We didn't really peanut decent, butter. Isn't, isn't it? Yeah. You're getting greedy. Now, yeah. Dude. Peanut butter, greedy. man. So ever since the podcast, uh, ranked on Apple's charts, Watson's rock star demands. And this is something we need to analyze here is why this happened, <laughs> have gotten out of control and they just keep growing. Yeah. You have a writer to come to your own podcast. I like it. <laughs> yeah, he does kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, dude, this new thing where we're not allowed to look you in the eye. What's up with that? Well, it's, you know, do I really have to wear this hood and your earrings too? Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Yeah, that's true. They look good. Mm -hmm. They look good. (coughs) Excuse me. So, all right, Andrew, um, as we kind of round this out, um, is there any, is there any advice or input that you'd like to give to the future entrepreneurs and startups of the world? I mean, you, you've, you've had, you found success in the corporate world. You guys are crushing it. As entrepreneurs, um, I mean, let, let's advise some people. It can be a do or a don't.
2: Hmm. So my advice, um, obviously, hopefully it's something useful. Uh, people will give you all kinds of advice as an entrepreneur. You'll find it, um, in a never ending series of sources. Everybody has an opinion about whether it can happen or can't happen. Everybody will have an opinion of what you should do and can't do. Um. My recommendation is if you want to become an entrepreneur, I think there's incredible value in thoughtfulness. And what I mean by that is what is the opportunity that you intend to pursue? What are the different proof points that are going to make you say, yes, that opportunity is real? What is on your business plan that are milestones that you have to accomplish? Um, I think that uh, before the first shot gets fired, spending the right amount of time in the quiet of night over a cup of coffee, or in my particular case, a a whiskey. Um, (laughs) Write those down. Ensure that you understand what are the different gates, what are the things that are going to describe your opportunity, and what is the evidence that it's going to tell you to the contrary. Because I think that um, when we get into the fight, we can justify almost anything. I think having a moment to – having thought through it and having that outlined and having that – that sense of logic prior to going into battle I think it's a good thing
1: I'm gonna say that Andrew operates with a sense of logic yeah <laughs> yeah there's there's some words that he used today that I have to look up yeah was it omnip omnificent <laughs> omnificent actually you know what yeah. I like that omnificence one of my new words okay Matt. it's a big big Can, vocabulary you ready on you for you're on the way out I'm Can ready you spell how do you say it again <laughs> 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 I will donate all of this money to charity for you if you can smell I can't even say it ah it's okay omnipotent <laughs> as we invent our own words yeah I'm not gonna give that a shot anyway alright so if you've been listening uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram. You can go to at Startup Hustle Podcast. I'm at DeCourcy Matt. If you want to give Mr. Watson feedback about all his sound effects or encourage him as to what charity he should go do give all his donations at, um, you can find him on Instagram at, what are you, Matt Watson? Yeah,
2: Matt at What's Up.
1: And pull however many views are in there. Um, do you have any social media handles or anything you want to plug? You're more than welcome.
2: Just at Spotlight. Just look for look us up. In fact, come come look us up. Come work for us. Um,
1: growing company, we need help. I like it. I like it. And you can check it out. It's uh, spotlightar.com. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.